This is the Intego Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. This week's Intego Mac Podcast security headlines include Russia deployed malware against Ukraine in the lead-up to its invasion. We have details on the cyber weapons they used. Would Apple ever give third parties access to WebKit? Believe it or not, some third parties think so. We'll tell you their reasons. And Apple's spring event is next week. We'll have a preview of what we hope is coming with some peak performance prognostics. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? Um doing okay, given everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. Um, we, we have some malware that has to do with Ukraine, and this is actually quite interesting, isn't it? Yes. Okay. So I wrote an article on the Intego Mac Security blog about Hermetic Wiper. Uh, this is some new malware that was caught targeting organizations in Ukraine. And what was interesting about this, and, and first of all, we should say that this is not Mac OS malware. It's not Mac OS malware yet. Right. There's always the possibility that with any new malware that there will be potentially Mac variants of it at some point. Some of the the details surrounding this malware and how exactly it was distributed are quite interesting. According to one of the companies that analyzed this malware, it was used to attack organizations in Ukraine shortly before the launch of the Russian invasion the morning of February 24th. And another interesting point about that, the attack that led up to this, there was actually an invasion of a computer network that led up to the dis- distribution of this malware. So in at least one case, we know that this malware was distributed to an entire organization's Windows PC fleet via an active directory group policy. So in a lot of corporate environments, Windows PCs are part of a, a, a computer network. Um, active directory is a, a Microsoft uh, networking user and device administration technology or, or suite of technologies, I guess you could say. And one of the things that you can do with active directory is you can deploy software through what's called a group policy. So what happened in this case is that some organizations that were hacked into back in around November, they were attacked using known vulnerabilities that hadn't been patched yet on certain servers, public-facing servers that these companies had. And then once they got into those server computers, they were able to pivot and look at other things on the network, and then ultimately were able to, once they were ready to, months later, deploy malware to the entire fleet. Okay, and following Hermetic Wiper, there's another one called Isaac Wiper. Yeah, and this is actually kind of breaking news because we're just starting to get details about this over the last day or two. What's interesting about this is that although this was malware that was deployed around the same time, there are some interesting differences. It was also deployed before the Russian invasion. It was, again, targeting Ukrainian computers, but in this case, it was targeting government computers in Ukraine. This malware appears to have been developed back in October, so kind of around the same time frame as some of those um, corporate computers were hacked. We don't know exactly how this Isaac Wiper malware uh, was deployed to these systems that got infected. 
But we do know that on February 24th, this second destructive attack, um, in this case against a government network, began. And this is a different malware family, so it's being called Isaac Wiper. Then on February 25th, there was an, an updated version of Isaac Wiper that was deployed. And the implication there is that perhaps they were unable to wipe some of the machines that they intended to. And so then they sent out an update. They fixed a bug that enabled them to be able to wipe those machines that they were unable to wipe in the first place. So two two different types of wiper malware. Wiper, by the way, is, is a term that we use to describe malware that can erase the contents of a hard drive or erase data off of a system. In this particular case, the hermetic wiper malware was uh, wiping the, the master boot record of the drives that they were infecting. So master boot record basically contains some basic information that is required in order to start up your computer. And so they basically completely disabled these computers so they couldn't be turned on. Okay, we haven't seen this for Mac yet, but we'll obviously keep our eyes open. It's worth pointing out that there are a lot of Mac developers in Ukraine, particularly in Kyiv. I'm going to link to an article on Tidbits, Russian Invasion of Ukraine Impacts Apple World. And these are developers like MacPaw, who runs said app, Riedel, who has a number of PDF apps, Skylum, that makes Luminar, CS Odessa, Softorino, Beelight. There's an, a very interesting development community in, in Ukraine. And I spoke to someone a couple years ago that I did some work for, and I asked why, and he said, well, they just got everyone to learn to code in high school. So everyone came out of school and they just saw this as a really good way to jumpstart technology in the country. Yesterday, Apple has stopped selling any products in Russia. They initially turned off Apple Pay or put in some limitations for Apple Pay, which is now turned off. The App Store is shut down. Apps like RT News and Sputnik News are no longer available for download from the App Store outside Russia. And Apple has disabled traffic and live incidents in Apple Maps in Ukraine as a safety and precautionary measure for Ukrainian citizens. Now, there's obviously two things going on. One is political, but the other is financial, because given the value of the ruble, no one's going to be able to afford Apple products anyway, and Apple won't be able to get money out of Russia for now. Obviously, this is, you know, this is above our pay grade, this sort of thing. But it's worth pointing out that Apple and Apple developers are strongly involved in this. Right. In fact, we've definitely seen a lot of organizations um, across the globe and, and a lot of, of course, governments weighing in on this as well. So this obviously is, is an ongoing thing and, and we're likely to see um, a lot more in terms of um, cybersecurity attacks. There, in fact, there's, there's one other thing that we didn't even mention yet, which is that evidently Russian hackers also have infected network devices with botnet malware. So this is yet another thing, another, another bit of malware, in fact, over the same time period. This malware is being called Cyclops Blink. Gotta love that name. And this is malware that's designed to infect network devices manufactured by WatchGuard, which is commonly used in like home and small office networks. WatchGuard actually does have a guide on what to do if you have one of their products so you can check to see whether it's infected and clear out the infection if it if it is infected. They say that about 1% of all of their devices have been infected. That's not such a great thing. So again, as we always say, make sure you update your router firmware on a regular basis. You got to keep that up to date. Okay. It's worth pointing out that 
you should think about this even if you're not in Ukraine, because one of the things that this sort of malware might be doing is trying to attack devices around the world to use them for distributed denial of service attacks on Ukrainian servers. So it, they're not only necessarily attacking computers in Ukraine. It, basically, update everything. Always update everything. Keep everything up to date. That's the best thing to do. Okay, so we've talked a few times about the fact that you can only use WebKit for a browser on iOS, on the iPhone and iPad. WebKit is the the rendering engine that's used in Safari, and Apple will allow other browsers on iPhone and iPad, but only if they're using WebKit, which leaves out a number of browsers. Does that mean, by the way, that Chrome has a special version for iOS that uses WebKit as opposed to Chromium? Yeah, so the, the Chrome and Firefox browsers and, and any other browser that you're using on iOS or iPadOS are all actually using WebKit. So it's really all you're getting is kind of the the skin kind of and, and kind of the front end elements. The actual back end rendering engine is always WebKit. It's it's using the version of WebKit that's built into the operating system. Right. So the main thing that you get is if you're syncing your bookmarks and your history across multiple devices in Chrome, you'll get them on the iPhone and the iPad. Exactly. But you won't get the terrible battery life that Chrome has on computers, for example. Yeah, that may be one advantage of WebKit, at least. Okay, so there's a group called Open Web Advocacy, which is a project that was launched by some developers in the UK, and they want third-party access to web browsers on iOS, on iPhone and iPad. And it's, you know, people have been complaining about this for years, that we want to be able to use the browser we want for a variety of reasons. Maybe a different browser is more efficient at certain types of websites than WebKit is. Right. And they have a few different priorities that they list um, and reasons for this project. They're talking in part about how anti-competitive it is that Safari is the you know, basically the only browser, because even if you're using another browser, it's really just WebKit. It's all it's all the same thing. So they don't like the anti-competitive nature of not having other browser engines actually being able to be on the platform. And they do list a number of other reasons why they feel that other browser engines need to be on iOS as well. One of those, of course, is security. They actually have a 108-page PDF um, that details a whole bunch of different um, reasons and and some of their their thinking on this process. Um, and they actually cite um, some of my research that I've done into iOS vulnerabilities, as well as um, macOS vulnerabilities, showing that you know the current platform doesn't necessarily get the same level of patching as the previous version of the operating system, among other things. And sometimes it takes Apple a while to actually patch uh, vulnerabilities, including in the wild vulnerabilities that are a potentially serious problem. It's a good point about the previous versions of the operating system, because Chrome or Edge might want to be compatible with older versions of iOS, whereas Apple isn't updating WebKit for security vulnerabilities, making it insecure. Exactly. And so that, that looks really bad to say that, you know, Firefox or Chrome or whatever is how your device got infected, it's not fair to say that because they're not actually using their own browser engine. It's using, it, it, let's say that you're, for example, still on iOS 12. Maybe you've got an iPhone 6 or something and it can't be upgraded to a newer version of the operating system. 
if you're using Firefox or Chrome, um, you know, those developers could theoretically choose to continue to release updates for that browser for that version of iOS. But the problem is that because of the current way that Apple's doing things, they're not allowing any third-party browser engines. And so you're just as vulnerable using Firefox or Chrome or anything else on iOS 12 or older unpatched versions of iOS. Even iOS 14 at this point is no longer getting patches. So you're you're kind of out of luck. You don't have an, an alternative way to have additional security once Apple stops patching your operating system, you can't still have a patched browser. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we're going to make some Apple Peak Performance prognostics. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2022. Indigo's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection. Net Barrier, for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security. Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware. And much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Monterey and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intigo.com today. When you're ready to buy, Indigo Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intigo.com. That's podcast.intigo.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Indigo Mac Podcast listeners. Intigo, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users, made by the Mac security experts. So just before we started recording this podcast, we got the news. Peak performance, March 8th, see you there, Apple event. We knew that Apple was going to be holding an event soon, and we kind of suspected it would be on the 8th because it's a Tuesday because it's just around this time and the rumors were talking about this. And peak performance, P-E-E-K, not P-E-A-K, right? Peak performance. We're going to get a peak at something. So we wanted to talk about what we think Apple is going to be announcing. And it's kind of interesting. Let me give you my take first. I don't think they're going to be updating any of the M1 Macs. I think these are fine for a while, but there are two Macs that are still not updated that are still running Intel processors. One of them is the 27-inch iMac. We had the 24-inch iMac last June, and the 27-inch is waiting to become, could it be the iMac Pro? And the other one is the Mac Pro. So I've got two thoughts. I'm betting that we're going to see the new 27-inch iMac. I don't know whether they're going to call it iMac Pro or not. And I think we're going to get a peak at the Mac Pro. But there's another possibility because peaking is visual and there's a lot of rumors about these Apple VR goggles coming around. And I wonder if that's the kind of thing that we're going to see it doesn't seem like the right time to release that because that sounds like something that has to be released around WWDC so developers can have time to start working on it. But Apple loves these things that create guessing games when they issue these invitations. Right, yeah. So Apple's Jaws, Greg Joswiak, um, tweeted about this actually right before we started recording. Um, and, and the 
all, all it says, this announcement says peak P E E K performance, March 8th. See you there. Hashtag Apple event. And then there's a, a little animation of, you know, an, an Apple logo. Um, and that's about it. So we, we don't really have a lot to go on. Now there's been a lot of rumors and a lot of speculation. And one thing that I always like to do when we're approaching an Apple event is I like to look at, um, Mac rumors, buyer's guide. Um, it's not uh, completely foolproof, but it does give some kind of interesting insights into and summarizes how recently certain products were updated and, and how likely it is that Apple might be releasing an update sometime soon. So based on on their buyer's guide, there are certain products that it kind of might make sense, the timing to, to get those devices updated. iPhone SE is definitely out of date. iPad Air uh, those are, those are two mobile devices that, um, are, are due for updates at this point. And this is the time of year, traditionally, that the, the iPhone SE is released. It's halfway through the cycle, September, October, six months later. Right. And I don't think it particularly matters on the iPad Air timing. We're at a point right now where the iPad Air is really the most out of date, and it just needs an update. So whenever Apple releases an update for it, will be great. Um, now, iMac, yeah, when they're talking about performance... That does sort of seem to imply that they're probably talking about Macs because you don't really worry too much about performance on a phone or even an iPad, right? So it does seem to imply that we're going to get at least one Mac that's being announced or or maybe updated. Now, the peak thing, that's kind of interesting. Um, and, and I'm kind of with you. I think that probably we'll get a sneak peek at the Mac Pro. It's probably not coming right away, but it's probably coming sometime later this year and they want to give us a preview of what that Mac Pro is going to look like. Other possibilities, um, there might be a new HomePod Mini. Um, we don't really have much, you know, of a product cycle there because the HomePod Mini that's out right now is the first HomePod Mini. Um, so we don't know how often Apple's going to refresh that product. There's also the AirPods Max, and Qualcomm just announced that they've got a new chip that makes it possible to send lossless audio over Bluetooth. Now, Bluetooth is limited to, I believe it's 264 kilobits a second. So the AirPods Max that are relatively expensive, can't get lossless audio unless you plug them into a computer or a device. This is something that Apple really wants. And could Qualcomm have announced that now just ahead of Apple's event with new AirPods Max coming out? That's, that's actually pretty interesting. And AirPods Max, by the way, that's another product that is in its first generation right now. And so we don't really have anything to go on as far as what its product cycle is going to be. So that's another possibility. I think we could definitely see that. Um, there could be a number of things. There could be any of these things, none of these things, or anything else. But these are just some some ideas. And especially, we, we know there's got to be something Mac-related because of the, the performance thing. Yeah, I'm sure... Well, remember, there's the two Macs that aren't here. It's the 27-inch iMac, which they're considering to be the high-end iMac now, and the Mac Pro. And at some point, remember the last Mac Pro when it came out? They presented it months before it was actually released. They wanted to make developers drool and decide to not buy any other Mac until the Mac Pro came out. And a lot of people are actually waiting for the new Mac Pro or, or waiting for some sort of more customizable M1 Mac or M2 Mac. And it's possible that they're going to present that to give people a peek at it now and release it around WWDC in June. Uh, I think whatever it is, we're going to see either the M2 
processor or whatever the equivalent is of what's even faster than the M1 Pro Max Ultra right. <laughs> Home Professional Edition, whatever it's called. <laughs> right. So the idea of these virtual reality goggles, and, and we're hearing a lot about this. And one thing I noticed recently is the number of accidents people have when they're wearing them because they're walking around their living room and they bump into walls and fall over tables and stuff. I'm not sure that this is a product that's going to be a really popular product. I know I can imagine that you go, you know, like if you go to play paintball or something, you're in a specific area that's designed for it. I can imagine people playing games in areas like that with padded walls and padded floors just to be safe. But doing that at home, if you have to move, it doesn't seem to me something that a lot of people are going to be able to do. Yeah. And when you're talking about VR devices, you're talking about things like the Oculus Quest, right? Like one of those full on things that you stick on your head and covers your, your yeah. vision. Yeah. It's, um, it's it, it, now that's as opposed to augmented reality, which is, yeah, right. which we, we see also kind of being developed simultaneously. It's really funny because I, I feel like augmented reality was supposed to replace virtual reality. Virtual reality seems so like 1990. Right. Like sticking a thing over your head that completely obscures your vision. Um, and yet, you know, Meta is uh, is pushing forward with um, with these technologies. And it would be interesting to see if Apple does go that direction as well. Apple's invested a lot in augmented reality um, with the iPhone. You know, they've got AR kit, which um, has gone through a couple of iterations. They've given a lot of really impressive product demos at WWDC. So for Apple to go like all in on VR, that that would be really surprising to me if Apple goes in that direction. Well, it would be surprising if they weren't exploring it, right? But to, from there to actually release something, we'll have to see what happens. Again, I think that they would have to announce that at WWDC to give developers time to work on it. You can't release a new platform without having apps for it. There's just one more thing that Apple might update, and that's the iPod Touch. It's been 1,009 days since the iPod Touch was updated, and you can laugh all you want. But this device is used in industry, and I've said this, how long have we been doing this podcast? Five years. I've said this every time we talk about the iPod Touch, that it's used for inventory devices with little scanners. It's small, it's compact, it's inexpensive. It's great if you have small kids. I don't think Apple's ever going to kill it off. This is the longest amount of time since the release at 1,009 days. But if you think about it, the Mac Pro once went 2,182 days between upgrades. Wow. Before this period, the, the longest time that Apple had gone without refreshing the iPod Touch was, let's see, 743 days. It's about two years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this has been a lot more than two years at this point. And so I, de I definitely think it's a possibility that we could get a new iPod Touch. Is it likely? I don't know. It's really hard to say. The iPod Touch 7th Gen uh, came out at a time when they needed to release a new version just because of a new operating system that was about to come out and that wasn't going to be compatible with the 6th Gen. And so they sort of like you know, realized, oh, shoot, like we're going to have to refresh the iPod Touch because we don't want to make iOS still compatible with older hardware. We want to move iOS forward. And so we I guess we have to release a new iPod Touch. That's sort of how it felt anyway when they released the last model. Um, I don't I don't I feel like Apple doesn't love the iPod Touch anymore. And I, I don't know. Um, I 
They I may not that, love it, but if they're selling it to industry as much as what I understand, then they're going to keep selling it. Yeah, yeah, they they, they could. They, they don't they don't want to lose these clients and companies who are buying thousands, maybe tens of thousands of these devices. Yeah, you know, but the iPad Mini is also there, and you've also got you know cheap iPhones as well. So I don't know. I don't know. I think the iPod Touch um, at some point Apple's going to phase it out. It, it'll be a sad day because that's the last of the iPod line, and there won't be any more iPods presumably after that. So here's one more reason why they might not phase it out. Apple has announced that going forward, and I don't know if this is iOS 16 or sooner, you'll be able to take payments on an Apple device with a credit card using an NFC chip. So you'll be able to do this on an iPhone, but would they be bringing this to the iPod Touch, which would make a lot more sense for stores to be using an iPod Touch that belongs to a store than to be using an iPhone that belongs to a single person? You know, actually, another thing that's a little bit interesting about that potentially is that, you know, some parents don't necessarily want to give their kid a phone, but they may want to, you know, give them access to to apps and things like that uh, and also be able to find where they are using Find My and so forth. Um, And so, you know, having NFC capability on the iPod Touch um, actually could be kind of interesting from that perspective, too. You give your kids a way to use Apple Pay without necessarily having to to pay for a phone plan and all that kind of thing. Well, it's worth noting that when you go to the Apple website, you can't find the iPod Touch without searching. It's not in any of the categories. You'd expect it to be... So music moved into the TV and home category, and it's not listed there. It's not under the watch, the AirPods, or anything like that. So you're not going to stumble on it by accident today. Right. Okay, Josh, until next week, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.